When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What is up, everybody, and welcome to the All-NBA Podcast, part of the All-City Podcast Network. I'm your host, Adam Mares, and I am joined today by my esteemed colleague, Tim Legler. Legs, we got another in-season tournament showdown tonight, this time in Vegas, the real deal. It feels like it gets real tonight, <laughs> semifinal games, and we had a bunch of games in the association today. Are you ready to talk some hoops? I'm ready to talk some hoops, man. You know what's weird? Was weird last night was, and I'm, I'm I guess it was just a feeling that I had because it's not really accurate. But because they didn't have any games, what was it like Sunday? And then there was there was right. a couple other nights where there was only in season play. You know, the final right. eight playing, right? So last night you had a full slate. It felt like these guys hadn't played in like a, an all star break type of break. Yeah. Like, yep. didn't it feel that way? And, I, and I, some of the numbers guys put up last night, maybe that's how Box they were. They were fresh. We had some fresh legs last night, man, and guys were busting the box scores out, that's for sure. And they were like – there weren't a lot of marquee matchups, right? There was a lot of games no. that you think like, you know, okay, lopsided, this or that, and it made for some really, really weird box scores. We're going to talk about that today. We had some great mailbag questions, including a question about building on two timelines, something Steph Curry's Warriors have tried to do, something the Denver Nuggets currently are sort of trying to do and a handful of other teams. So is it even possible in today's NBA? And then later on in the show, as we have been doing for these in-season tournament games, we're going to go deep, deep dives on both the games, Pacers, Bucks, who has the advantage in different categories, best matchups, X-Factors, all of that and more. It's going to get you ready for tonight's in-season tournament semifinal. But first, got to tell you that we are presented by DraftKings Fantasy Sports. Check out what DraftKings has to offer this season with code ALLNBA. Because life's more fun when you're in on the action. DraftKings, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Agent eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com for details. I was informed last night, Legs. I did not know this. But our producer, Emma, tells me she is an expert handicapper. So she said, listen, I got to be the one to give you guys your betting advice on the show. So we might <laughs> we might have to check uh, Easy Money Emma for, for some betting Good. advice. Let, let Emma be responsible then for people like losing their money. I hate doing that. <laughs> I hate doing that. Let Emma be the one. <laughs> exact same. Um, so, yeah, last night, we, I want to start with this. Last night, Joel Embiid goes for 50 points. Uh, you had Desmond Bango for 49 points. I'll bet he thought he was going to have the best. It's always a bummer when a player has the best night of his career and doesn't get the headline because somebody else went even higher uh, than him. He goes for 49 points and doesn't even make the marquee. Um, and then you had Luka Doncic with a triple-double in the first half. You're right, crazy numbers. Was there a game or a performance that stood out to you last night? 
So with so many games on, obviously, you know, you, you got to kind of pick and choose. I did watch a lot of the Sixers Wizards. I watched a decent amount of the second half of Nets Hawks. I watched um, – I, I was going to watch the Mavericks Jazz, but that got out of hand pretty quickly. Uh, I watched – and then the late, the two late games were, were the two main focus. I actually talked about oh. both games on SVP last night. So we had both of them side by side. I was kind of really trying to intently watch both of the uh, Warriors, Blazers, and Nuggets, Clippers games as well. I think the one that probably jumped out to me, I'd say the two late games. Um, and Golden State, you know, it's it's a six-win team you're playing against. You're at home, and yet it felt like the biggest relief in the world for them to, to, to right. win that game. And that's unfortunately – the state of where we are right now with the Warriors. I mean, they dug yeah. themselves quite a hole. You've got a lot of guys not playing well at the same time. So any any win at all is important to them right now. But, man, like how long is it going to be or will it be that Clay Thompson busts out of this? Because last night was one of the worst ones we've seen. The ball didn't even look right coming off his hand. And then he had a back cut. He missed an uncontested reverse layup. Like, you, you just start to go, okay, this is more than a guy is just kind of out of rhythm right now and struggling a little bit because we're 20 games in, 21 games in for the Warriors, and he has struggled mightily. Andrew Wiggins can't find his offense. So I, that game kind of stood out from the standpoint of, hey, they rallied late. Curry actually had more made field goals in the game than Thompson, uh, Green, and Chris Paul combined. Man. Okay, so that, so That's he kind of did it by himself, got some help from Moody and Kaminga. The young guys stepped up for them, and they get a win. It felt like a relief. And then your game, Nuggets-Clippers, uh, that felt – you know, obviously, Ogers didn't have a very good game, but it, it also kind of felt like – I'm watching the Clippers a little bit saying, man, do you really want to have to play them if Kawhi Leonard is healthy in the playoffs? Oh, no. Like, if that's your first-round opponent and you end up with one of those top seeds and you got it, you end up with the Clippers – uh, that would be maybe a nightmare scenario because they've got so much talent and three guys that can win any matchup. So that was my overall take from the night. How about you? What, would you, what Other than the, the Nuggets-Clippers game, which I guess made it difficult for you to watch anything else. Well, it was a crazy game uh, because Jokic, you know, he's shooting more this year than ever before. But last night, I think a lot of that is, you know, he's a great scorer. He's efficient. He does all the – I think he's getting more confidence yeah. in his scoring. Last night he was a chucker. This is the first time I've ever said this about Nikola Jokic in his entire – I don't know how many games he's into his career right now, 1,000-plus or whatever. He has never been a chucker. He was a chucker last night, and it was it was really <laughs> strange. Nine of 32. Um, and I don't know if there's something to it, what you saw, but it's actually two games in a row. The Nuggets have owned the Clippers. I think they've beat them something like 16 of the last 20 times or something something of that. The yo, So they dominated that matchup. But last game he was 8 of 23. And this game, 9 of 32. Those For Jokic, that's like uh, ice-cold shooting night. Is there anything you saw from what they did last night that made you think, hey, they have something, they figured something out about it? I, to me, you know, and, and again, I had I had one eye on each game, so it's, it's a little bit tougher because yeah. I didn't know at the time going in which game I was going to have to talk about after. Because mm. if I knew that, then I could have just focused. And so it's a little bit harder to, to get the nuances of it. But I would watch stretches – and you're right. I felt like every time I kind of, you know, whatever, there'd be like a timeout or something in the Warriors game. So then I would focus for like three, four minutes straight on the Nuggets game. And I was like, it did feel like he was just missing shots. You know, it, it, for great players, like you rarely think it's the defense. Rarely. Right, right. Not, I think not you're guys right. on Jokic 
level. No, like, yeah. like sometimes that second tier guy, a team will introduce something defensively, and you could say that really affected them, or certainly a role player. You know, you got a shooter, and a team just says, hey, don't leave them, chest to chest responsibility, right? And now you go, okay, that guy only got two shots off tonight. Here's why. Great players, guys on Jokic's level, it really isn't about the defense. It just isn't because they get too many opportunities in the course of the game. The ball is is they're like a magnet for the basketball. It keeps finding them multiple right. times yeah. in possessions the entire time they're on the court. I don't chalk it up to defense typically when you see great players struggle. Yeah, I think you're right about that, by the way. It was weird that he was forcing shots. I think he got mad at himself, and sometimes Yoke – when he gets frustrated, will double down on the thing that's frustrating him. And I think last night was that. He was missing shots, so he's like, you know what? I'm going to shoot until I start making them. And he never really did. Um, so just a weird uh, a weird one. They did get Jamal Murray and Aaron Gordon back. It's the first time they had their starting lineup start the game since uh, I for over a month. I think November 4th was the last time. So Denver excited for that game and then drops it. Let me ask this one. 50 points, 49 points, 41-point triple-double some crazy numbers this year and we're seeing it last year there was all these 30 point scores this year i think there's five or six again what do you make of the numbers this year and does it make you when you see so many high scoring games and triple doubles and 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 all this stuff does it make you how do we readjust our minds to okay this is the new nba 30 today that might be like 25 you know 15 years ago it, it changes what do you make of all that yeah and by the way you left out paulo bancaro with 42 last 42? night another yep. guy Right, another guy with a career high last night. I, I do think, uh, for me personally, doing this every night I'm watching games, every day I'm studying boxers, I have become a little bit numb to some of these great nights. Right? I mean, it used to be, it used to be like a guy got 40 and you were like, man, like that dude you know, went off. It, it's, so, it's so frequent now with yeah. not just the big individual nights, but these – these numbers that teams are posting on a given night, it's it's you become a little bit desensitized to how great it is. I think, look, there are a variety of reasons for it. Um, the biggest, I will say this, the, the number one reason, and some people might think is I'm a, I'm a former player from a different era, yeah. that I'm going to say it's lack of physicality and you can't put hands on people. I would say that's probably my second reason. Yeah. I think the first reason is, there are more highly skilled shot makers on the court than there have ever been, period. End of story. More highly skilled shot makers on rosters. I mean, what these – because because I, I see guys come in off the bench even. You know, even the other night, like I'm watching the Bucks game and A.C. Green comes in and, and uh, A.J. Green hits three straight threes in about five minutes, right? Yeah. Has barely played, hasn't put numbers up for them, gets three open looks and drains them. There are more guys littered throughout these rosters that are just elite-level shot makers if they have any sort of time and space. There's more guys that can create their own offense as well, sidesteps and step backs and all, you know, all the different things they, these guys work on in the summer to perfect. So that's the number one reason. There are just more elite-level skilled players uh, up and down rosters. Used to be yeah. there was fewer on rosters, and then, and then you had like a bunch of role players and then something specific, and you had some grinders that weren't out there to do anything offensively. It's not the case anymore. Just about every single player on the court can score, and that wasn't the case before. So I think that's that's part of it. And then, yeah, you cannot deny that the freedom of movement that players have doesn't, you know, doesn't contribute to this. Like that you're just being silly if – 
if and if you're a modern player that's in the league now or just recently retired and you're going to hold on to the fact you say do you think that this league's as physical as it used to be and as yeah. difficult to score as it used to be it's just a silly yeah. argument because it's just not true so when you combine the two more skill less physicality you know more freedom of movement boom you get all you know, you get 125 130 a lot and you get 140 point games occasionally and you get a whole bunch of dudes getting 30 on a given night when there's a full slate I, I this is why you're the best tim because i haven't heard people make this argument it's always the physicality or this or that or but i honestly agree with you there's the the bad players in the nba today most of them can now shoot like uh, we got to teach them every other aspect of the game but we got seven guys that can shoot th- you know 40 percent on a wide open three in a game and when you do that it becomes impossible to help and then of course that physicality aspect and then your point is <clears throat> made by the fact that I didn't even bring up Paolo Bancaro because in my head when you brought him up my head went to yeah he only had 42 though like that he didn't have a crazy <laughs> night he just had 42 it's like come on man 42 is now a throwaway um so yeah I, this is what I took away and last night was a fun one rested teams and some lopsided matchups and we get a crazy crazy box score night um producer Emma easy money Emma let's go ahead and get to our mailbag we have some mailbag questions leg to get to here as we see our right. beautiful graphic. How important, this one comes from AJ. Oh man, I'm pros. Uh, how important are consistent rotations to players? Tibbs drives me crazy when he pulls guys who just made two straight shots because it's the six minute mark. But Tibbs is obviously doing something right. Help me understand legs. So you were a role guy. How consistent, how important is it to know this is my rhythm in the game? Critical critical to role players, you know, and, and that's, that's, I think the guys were talking about, cause you know, his comment about Tibbs pulling a guy after making two straight shots at the six minute mark, guarantee you that's applying to starters, right? That's a starter because starters, particularly your top guys, they're guys that you're just, you know, they're getting a heavy minute load every single night and you're going to be more cognizant of that. That happens all over the league. I mean, you'll see even, you know, Curry, I've seen him hit you have three straight threes in a four-minute stretch, but it's his time to come out of the game. He's coming out of the game, right? But when you see a role player maybe bang out a couple of shots in a row, he might ex- you might then extend his run a little bit to maximize what you're going to squeeze out of that guy on, on a given night. But I just know for me, as a guy that came off the bench my entire career, it is so important mentally to get yourself into a place when you know you're, you're going to go into the game. You know, Washington, I go back to that year, 95-96, I led the league in three-point shooting. I was backing up Calvert Chaney, was our starting two guard. All right, I I was going to play about 24, 25 minutes a night. I played about the same minutes he did. Um, and I knew I was going into the game right at about the three- right. to four-minute mark left in the first quarter. And you start to get yourself going. So you sit there, you watch the first eight, nine minutes, now you get that like adrenaline's kicking in. You know you're about to go in, and I will say, during those years that I was playing, like that was the most consistent rotation that I saw, and I thrived in that. It's very difficult when you don't know night to night necessarily how that's going to go, you know. And so I think it is critical for role players, not as important necessarily for starters. They understand that sometimes they're going to maybe sit a little bit longer after they've come out if the guy that went in for them is really playing well at the end of the day they're going to get to their 34 35 one way or another if that's what they averaged for the most part they're going to get there without foul trouble and so the role players are the guys we're talking about and i do think mentally it definitely helps you prepare 
yourself for when you're about to get up and go check in and you know it's going to be after this dead ball or the next trip. He's probably going to call my name because you're looking at the clock and you know what's going on. So I, I do think it matters. To your point about starters, you know, there's not a huge difference between 31 and 34 minutes. You still have time to get a rhythm, right? Sure. But a sure. role player, the difference between 15 and 11 minutes is big. It's like, hey, man, I, I just I did a four-minute stint. I didn't have even time to get kind of – I know I missed two shots, but, like, I might have made the next two. It's just the rhythm of, the, of it. So I do think there's something to it. Um, at the same time, you know, it's tough with younger players. You know, I'm obviously covering Denver right now, and there are some guys that – they're given two, three, four minutes. And if they're not good, they're pulled and they kind of yeah. know that. And then it gets in yeah. their head of, I got to perform and, you know, I got to not make mistakes and make my shots. And I think they can build compound and build some pressure. So um, it is a strange well, I'll one. Give you, I'll give you real, real, real quick, if I can just follow up on an example sure. of that and talk about this guy quite a bit, Jonathan Kaminga, like he's a great example. So a couple games ago, Steve Kerr raved was the best game he has played as a Golden State Warrior. Okay, and this is the guy everybody's, you know, we're constantly waiting for the breakthrough, right? Because he got so much natural ability, athletic ability, and they desperately need him. Comes back to the next game, plays 10 minutes. And then last night, a DNP yeah. in the first half. Now, he came, now to his credit, because when he checked in the game last night, I made a joke. I'm sitting there watching the game, and I said, man, look, he's half asleep. Like, he just didn't look ready. Right. He went out there, he kind of was tying his drawstring on his shorts and kind of, you know, shuffling out onto the court. He had a breakaway pretty quickly, and I'm thinking, like, they're down six, something like that at the time. Go windmill this thing. Do a Vince Carter-style windmill and get this place hopping because uh, they need your energy. He goes up. He kind of does a two-hand little lay over the front of the rim, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> this guy, like, what's up with this guy? But you know what? His credit, yeah. he kept playing. He got he got a sweat going, and I yeah. don't think they win the game without what Kaminga did. He made his first six shots. They don't win the game without him. But – to your point, Adam, I think that's a great example of what you're talking about. I think that's where they're at with him. Does he look ready? If he doesn't look ready in the first four or five minutes, he might be done for the night. And that, you know, so there are guys that fall into that category too. And it's more about motor because they see this guy every day and they want it. They can yeah. tell right away is, is the motor turned on tonight? And he's probably going to get more run in that case. I love your point about the dunk, though. There was a game, I think it was Kings Pelicans, where there was a breakaway dunk. And I remember the bench getting excited, excited, and the guy lays it in. And the whole bench was like, hey, man, this is yeah. an exclamation point. Get this crowd going. Like, get them up. Yeah, and, yeah. If you're, hey, listen, if, if you're capable, if you're, now look, yeah, I could dunk, sure. I could dunk, but I guarantee yeah. you pretty easily, but I can guarantee you if I had a breakaway in the NBA game, I'm probably laying that thing in because I how can't. Many, how many one thing, did you have? Your you point, know? A role-playing three-point shooter can't yeah. miss a dunk in a game. I guarantee on a breakaway. <laughs> you got a problem. You might not see the court for three days. <laughs> that's hilarious. On the flip side, you make a breakaway dunk in a game, like that's that's an all-timer. Everybody's in oh, the whole crowd. You're going to have to stop the game. Everybody's on the court. If that happens. You know what's <laughs> yeah. funny is I think my coach, the guys I played for, and this was way before it was acceptable, uh, like it is now, I think they'd rather on a breakaway, they'd rather me had stopped and pulled up shot up shot of three because it was uncontested. Yeah. They know that's got a really hot chance of going in, and it's worth the it's worth the risk yeah. reward to get the extra point. Yeah. Uh I love this question. It's our title question. Can or should contenders go the path of the two timeline concept? Con competing for a championship and developing a new young core, is it possible? And which teams have successfully done this in the past? So the two teams that come to mind most recently for me are the Warriors, who got Wiseman, Kaminga, Moody, 
they had all those picks. They could have traded them and got a new veteran player, tried to say, hey, look, we're winning. Let's keep going. Instead, they made a bet that their core was still going to be good while they developed Kamingo, Wiseman, and Moody. And then those guys, by now, were going to be great role players that extended the window even longer. I think Denver is doing this. They've actually been open about this. They win last year. They end up using three draft picks. They traded to get more draft picks. And now they're playing Christian Brown, who's a second-year player. Peyton Watson, who's basically a rookie, redshirt rookie. Julian Strother, who's a rookie. Three guys that all have you know under 2,000 minutes or, or whatever in their entire careers. So they're trying to do a two-timeline thing. Do you think it's possible? And what is the limit between how many young guys you can have on a team that can win a title? All right. First, it's incredibly difficult to do. And I, I want to say, like, here's here's what I think. If, you, if you're a contending team in the NBA, you're really playing for something meaningful, or at least you're in the mix, and you're playing young guys, the reason you're playing those guys is because they've they earned those spots to be in that situation. Like, there's not a veteran on your bench that you think is going to be better for your team in that spot, or you're playing that guy, I guarantee you. So when you see teams that are, like, in that upper echelon, with young guys, you know, first and second year players in the rotation. Yeah, yeah, it's great that they're getting the minutes and the organization is very happy that because that's how you develop quicker. But I'm telling you right now, they're not going to do that uh, it, it, at the risk of potentially hurting your rotation because there's a guy on the end of your bench that you're not worried about developing because he's a veteran that can help you more. They're just not going to do it. It organically works out that they're earning those minutes. And even your your example with Golden State, look, they're a big reason why I thought they could possibly repeat last year going into the season because I said, well, they got these guys you mentioned, Kaminga and Moody and right. Wiseman, and like, right, this and is the grow. next wave. Yeah, this is the next wave. But guess what? You saw what happened. Push comes to shove. Steve Kerr, as the year went on, he had less yeah. faith in those guys, less he trust. Yeah. He didn't trust them. So so if you're really trying to develop young players, and mostly I think we're talking about the bottom half teams in the league, and you're bad for a reason. You've been bad. You draft high draft picks. Those guys need to get on the court. Like you're, you're literally not worried as much about winning games as you are developing those players. San Antonio's in that boat right now. They don't care about wins and losses. Right. They, they, all they right. care about is developing Wembenyama and a couple of those other guys. If you have young guys playing on, on contenders, it's because it organically played out that they've earned those minutes. And now you get you get a bonus that you yeah. are getting young guys that are getting meaningful minutes to develop, but you're you're not sacrificing anything because those are the best choices for those minutes. Here's the difference between what the Warriors have done and are continuing to do and what the Nuggets are doing. The Warriors aimed for stars. Wiseman was raw. He Everybody knew he was like a project, and they thought we can turn him into a star player, not just a role player. Kaminga, same thing, kind of raw, like super athlete. He can be great. Moody, I think, is the one guy that was projected to be a role player. But if you look at Denver, Christian Brown is not a star. He has zero star potential. He has elite role player potential. Peyton Watson, I think, is similar, and Julian Strother is similar. So I think Denver, the the – and the other difference is the market. I think that Golden State probably could have bet on getting more veteran players, like high-level veteran players, to go to Golden State. There's just so much opportunity there on, you know, off the court and everything else. But Denver, I think, looked at it and said, "We're not going to get the high-level veterans in buyout situations going to spend the end of their career there. We're not going to ever get those. We have to develop high-level role players." And that's why it's interesting. Like right now, Denver has Justin Holiday, who's a veteran player who is good, but you know what he is. You know what his ceiling is. And Denver has to decide, is he good enough 
that we can just play him and win a title because the starting five, expensive starting five, great starting five. You don't have any money to spend. Do you play guys like Justin Holiday and every year you just have to find a new one? It's a yeah. real question. It's a real question in my opinion. They're making the bet early this season that they can develop their guys to be better than that, and we'll see what happens. I will say also it, it helps if you've got young guys and you, and you want to try to you know give them a taste. When you've got a guy like Jokic who is just that is that smart and makes everybody's life that much easier with his ability to take all the pressure on himself by having the ball that much, making great decisions and making you better with his passing, or you're in a system like Golden State that is a you know pass first um, you know oriented team, you've got a chance, man. There's going to be minutes there for a young player because the guys around you are going to make you smarter on the court yeah. as you're learning the game. But in general, I think it's very difficult to pull off both. Um, if, if you have young guys that are contributing to winning at a high level and you're actually playing for something meaningful in May and June, I, I think it just worked out that way that those guys were better for that spot than anything else you have on the bench that's got more experience. I think this one, you know, LeBron James's career can be told through this very concept because he went to Miami, he leaves Cleveland, goes to Miami, and it's like, we got to win, we got to win. Four years, and when he left – there, we don't need young guys. We don't need young guys. We need vets. And then when, when that was up, it was like, there's no rebuild. There's nothing here. Goes to Cleveland. Same thing. Andrew Wiggins for number one pick. Get him out of here. We don't need a number one pick. We need Kevin Love. We need Kyrie Irving. Then he goes, you know, obviously to LA. So I just look at his arc and think maybe he knew something of you can't do two timelines, but naturally that means your windows are sort of short as a team because you're keeping together an expensive group of veterans. And once that's up, there's nothing to replenish. And I just, we'll see if there is a next dynasty, a next team that does it right. That has a window that lasts that spans six, seven years. I think it's going to be really, really tough, uh, tough to do. Let's see this question, which defensive wrinkles attempted this season to stop stars have been your favorites to watch or consider think OKC doubling Luca every play how teams guard Curry night in night out is there a favorite sort of weird adjustment defensively you like I feel, I, I'm not seeing anything new I, and actually I, I'll, I'll go the other way I think teams uh, in terms of their defensive game plan preparation and scheme are far more reluctant to overload too much attention to a star player because of the amount of shooting that's on the court. Yeah. You know, we talked about it in the beginning, you know, these video game type numbers that these teams are putting up. It's, it's not a coincidence because there's a, there's, there's somebody at every spot on the court that can hurt you. You're either a shooter. You're a guy that can get your own off the dribble or you're a slasher that finishes everything. Cause there's all kinds of space in the lane. Like you're, you're, you're not out there. You don't have guys out there anymore, man. There's just a set screens and a rebound. Like you, every single guy on the court can put the ball in the basket. And some of these top guys, particularly with their passing as well, I think teams are more reluctant than ever. I think you, I, when I watch now, I see more great players get opportunities to get comfortable um, with with maybe one guy or one and a half right. defenders than, I, than, than you're seeing like blitzes and force guys to give it up because there's too many guys on the court that can hurt you. And coaches – even if you start out with that kind of game plan, let 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 three corner threes be made against you. Watch how fast they get out of that. They overreact and panic when they think, you know what, we're going to live with that corner three out of these role players. Let's just live with it all night. Really, after the third one, you're calling timeout, and they're going, you know what, just stay home with those guys. Like it's amazing how right. fast something you thought was a good idea in film room and in your walkthrough 
goes out the window when in in, in practice guys start making shots against you because you're you're willing to leave them. So I think actually I see less actual real creativity defensively with how you're going to deal with these guys because you're so worried about the supplemental offense that's on the court. I think it's a great take. I Yoke I'd mentioned earlier is taking more shots this year. And one of my theories as to why is through the playoffs last year, he saw that his scoring was so important that a lot of teams made the decision you just explained. Yoke can beat you both ways. You got to pick one. And the best one to pick is to make him a score. The Suns did this, by the way, I think in game three of the series where they won. Yoke went for 53 points. 53. He dominated. But they lost the game. And, I, and Phoenix made the calculation of, hey, he's going to have to go for 55 to beat us. Um, so I do think you're right about this, that in a weird way, it's almost maybe not got more complex, but more simplified because teams are saying we can't, nobody can stop anybody anymore. So make one guy beat you rather than all the things beat you. Um, is Jalen Brown good enough to be the second best player on a contender or should he be third best if you're aiming for the Larry OB? What do you, what do you make of Jalen Brown? Oh my goodness. It's a tough one. Cause he's right there in the borderline. Yeah. He's, he's Two like, half, uh, yeah. if he's your second and a half best player, right? That's yep. That's exactly how I look at it. Like, uh, so put it this way: He'd, ha I think, on a team where there's clearly a number one, which he's on right now, and then, and any given night, it could be him or another guy, right? So, Isn't so, that the case so now? I don't know Porzingis? that. Like you're saying with Porzingis? Yeah, I mean, no. Or, I will say the collective of Porzingis, White, and Drew. Category. Yeah, I, th I think clearly Jalen Brown is your second best player, like on this team. Yeah. So, and look, I'm not that, that obviously. Look, that doesn't mean that on a given night, maybe Porzingis can outplay him, but right, right. consistently, it's Tatum and Brown, mostly Tatum as your number one on a given night. Every now and then, it's Brown as actually will be your right. best player if he really gets cooking. But right. then there's a little bit of drop off, right? So I think if he was if he's on a team where it's it's you got that one guy and then. It's him and another guy. You don't really know, like on a night-to-night -night basis, who 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 is who is it going to be? Then maybe you have a championship caliber team. I think when he is clearly slotted in as number two, and look, you know they might win it this year now. Because here's the other thing, it's it's almost like I'm, I'm being too compartmentalized. Because here's the other thing. Yes, I think Porzingis is a notch down, but my goodness, look at look at you know what that team has beyond their top two guys. Like if you have that much talent and depth and shot making, then the Boston Celtics might win the whole thing this year with Jalen Brown as clearly your number two because you know three through eight are so good or three and four certainly. So there's there's more context to it than just that because if it's just Tatum and Brown and then like your third guy was like you know Buddy Hield, I don't think that's going to be quite good enough. That's not a knock at Buddy Hield, but I'm saying Porzingis is a guy that more consistently is going to get you twenty plus. And he's going to affect the game of both ends. So right now he's your number two, and they might win a championship because there's so much more there besides those two guys on both ends of the floor. Our last question from the mailbag here is, what is the best way to maximize Zion and Brandon Ingram? Can these two ultimately work together to be a true contender, assuming health? Um, is there a two-man synergy between these guys? Is there a game to be had, or is it a little bit of Tatum and Brown, him and me, and we kind of operate separately? Very much how it is because you know if you think about it, when Brandon Ingram gets operating and he did the other night, you know he, they win that game because of, of how good he was. Really, you know he gets he gets operating like that, and he's going into his mid range ISO where he's going into they run ball screen for him. You where does Zion fit into that? You know he's not he's not a spot up shooter off the ball. 
Um, he could slash, I guess, yeah. if Ingram gets double teams. And there was like there was a couple examples that the other night. But for the most part, you know, when Ingram gets going like that, man, he's looking to score. Like he's getting, a, yeah. and so that means that Zion. His best bet in those situations is to be an offensive rebounder. I don't think that they can't play together and thrive because they kind of have done that a lot. Um, but if you're asking, like, how can they, you know, get action where they're both complementing each other at the same time? It's very difficult unless you put Zion as the screener and Brandon Ingram as the ball handler. And Brandon Ingram is a good passer. He's not an elite-level passer to come off let Zion set the screen and, and slash dive, whatever right. he's going to do. Well, then you got to have an array of deliveries to him. You got to have a pocket pass. You got to have a direct, direct line pass, you know, from your eyes to his chest. You got to throw lobs. If he's the picks dive guy, that's not really Brandon Ingram's wheelhouse. So you can run it and it's going to create a lot of attention for those two guys, but is Brandon Ingram the right guy to deliver the ball to Zion on those situations? So their right. games don't really complement each other but they can certainly be on the court and both thrive on given nights because they touch the ball enough and they're, they're both dominant offensive players. Do we have an example of this? Do we have an example of a number one and number two who don't necessarily have a two-man game? And where they're both – well, well, but they haven't won. I'm, I'm, looking at, I'm looking at examples of teams that have won oh, recently because LeBron and got- – LeBron and Kyrie kind of have this, but LeBron, that wasn't a 1A, 1B situation. That was LeBron's team, and he had an outlet, like like a release valve that could score on anybody. I don't know if we have one of these where it's like the top two guys kind of operated independently and and it worked. I, I can't think of one. No, that's that's a great point, and that's why you've seen more of the uh, versions of teams where they've put together guys in a short window that they've acquired one way or another and said, let's go win. There's right. more failures than successes doing that. Yeah. For that reason, it's 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 hard to play that way stylistically and have both guys be efficient. And also, by the way, the rest of your supporting cast be efficient and comfortable. It's it's a hard way to play. It's a hard way to win. Um, and Tatum and Brown haven't won anything yet, and I actually used this exact example many times with them. It's, it's interesting because they don't really – complement each other in that they're never really involved in action together it's very much a very much possession by possession where the ball goes first that guy is typically going to drive that possession because they're going to attack every time they get it both of those guys are looking to do something constructive you don't see them just put it above their head and throw an entry pass into the post and go chill when they get the ball they're going one way or another they are looking for their shot and it's very rarely do you see them involved in screening for each other or some sort right. of scissor action where they're, you know, like Clay and Steph do off the ball. They don't really do that kind of stuff. And that they've won a ton of games and they've been on the cusp of winning. They just haven't quite gotten there. Maybe this will be the year with the extra talent they brought in. It's a, it's interesting, man. I didn't think, I mean, we all kind of know this, but I hadn't really thought about it until just now about how there is no example. It'd be nice if there was one, you know, one in 25 years where you're like, well, they could be like the – but I can't think of a single one that that really fits that there was a, some kind of synergy between every championship duo. Uh, all right, let's take a break. Second half of the show coming up. We got to talk about the previews for tonight's game, the in-season tournament. They head to Las Vegas. I'm curious to see how that's going to look and feel and if this can continue to have some of these great games that we've had so far. 
But first, NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is celebrating with an unbeatable offer. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets, throwing down just $5 on any NBA game. Win or lose, it doesn't matter. You'll start the season with an instant dub. You can even do the DraftKings parlays. Maybe we'll have easy, uh, easy producer Emma hop in here and give us a good parlay for tonight's game. Maybe she has a couple of these. So basketball is more fun when you're in on the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code ALLNBA. New customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly for betting just $5. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code ALLNBA. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. Licensed partner, Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, Louisiana. 21 or older, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario, bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Oh, man. So Emma tells me here, Legs, she does have a parlay tonight. Emma, hop in here. I want to hear this parlay. You got a parlay. What is it? I do. I do. We're going to double our money tonight. I'm taking Tyrese Halliburton, 20-plus points. Damian Lillard, 20-plus points. Chris Middleton, 10-plus points. Giannis Antetokounmpo, over 27.5 points. Took that at a plus 102. Put a unit on it. Double your money. That's Easy it, money. That does I think I love, I love – Every single one of those, and I'm, I'm going to be honest, it, it, every number you just spit out, I thought was on the low side. Every, oh, every 100%. 100%. But we're, we're, we're playing safe. We're doubling money today. It's our first one. Let's Especially see Especially in a game that with the way these two teams play, I mean, this could be 140-135. Oh, yeah. Or, or, or it could be 141-10 Milwaukee. So I'm a little bit yeah. worried that this could be a little too much for Indiana tonight. Um, but I, I think all of those numbers for scoring totals, I'd be surprised, actually, if any of those guys didn't hit that number. That's what I'm saying. We're just trying to double our money today, start off easy. The first one, first one will light. We'll get some We'll get some Bro, bigger ones going later. You make it sound Bro, so easy. I'm thinking about like emptying every account <laughs> I have. I mean, that's Dude. literally what you're doing to me right now. We're just going to double our money. Anybody interested in doubling your money out there? It's, guys, guys, there's no reason why they shouldn't hit this. Uh, all right. I, Emma, throw it so I, I can was, see. I thought when you said Giannis, that, you know, you started to say, I thought you were going to say like 32 or something where you kind of go, okay, that's, you know, that's a big number, but I still probably would have said he'll get that. Yeah, yeah. Tonight, overs, I think, are on the menu for sure. Emma, throw that in the chat so everybody can see it and – uh you know, follow along, and then tomorrow we can give her uh, give her hell if, if she's wrong. Let's get into these matchups, though. Pacers Bucks tonight. DraftKings Bucks have uh, they have the Bucks as five point favorites. These two teams did match up previously. They played earlier about a month ago, one twenty six to one twenty four. This one did not feature Damian Lillard. He was not in the game. Giannis, you see there, went for 54 points. So uh, no defense in this game. We know the overs are high. Giannis, 54 last time in a loss. The Bucks shot 54% in a loss. And Tyrese, Tyrese Halliburton with the 29-10 and 10 game. Um, all right, let's just break this one down. What is the Pacers' advantage in this game, Legs? <laughs> I'm not sure that they have one. I'm Ooh. being honest here. I'm being honest here. Like, 
the Bucks play fast too. So you know you you know you can say, hey, the Pacers, you know they're gonna they're gonna speed you up, and they're gonna they're gonna run and 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 you know just come out and just absolutely you know push the ball down the floor so fast, get you back on your heels, maybe get you behind, and now you've got to play maybe faster than you like. The Bucks are perfectly comfortable if that's how you want this thing to look. You want to get into a track meet? Fine. Giannis, that's why he had 54 points against them. Like he, all those opportunities with the ball being thrown ahead and he's got, he's got space and they're not very big, by the way, the Pacers, they play four guards or, you know, three guards, a small forward and Miles Turner. Like that's what they play. And Giannis Antetokounmpo, if you don't have some beef out there and some bodies willing to throw, throw themselves in front of his driving lanes in the open floor, like he's going to gut you. So I don't know that they do like even, from a three-point mm-hmm. shooting perspective, what did Milwaukee make the other night? Twenty-three yeah, for thirty-eight. Yeah, like they're they're cool with that. You want to shoot? Let's both shoot 40, 45 threes. We're cool with that. Let's go. You want to play up and down? We got the guys to do that. Well, Dave, I don't. I don't know about it, Lex. So, so what do you think? I'm, well, I'm going to push back on the up and down part because I think that you're right that the Bucks don't mind. They score very easily. But they are not necessarily a fast break team. What they are is they can score comfortably in the half court team. Like they are, or they can score comfortably. You get down the court, you make you run your pick and roll, whatever, and you score quick in the possession, but not necessarily fast breaks. And looking at the numbers here, Indiana is number one in the NBA in fast break points. The Bucs are 21st in fast break points allowed and ninth in turnovers. So if there is an advantage, the Pacers don't have a good defense, but they can try to make this game more chaotic. For me, Pacers thrive in chaos. The Bucks thrive in controlled pace. Those are different things. So to me, I do think there's something to, can the Bucks make this game a little bit more just sloppy? Hey, let's get out and go quick. Let's speed everybody up. I think that is their ticket to, to, to winning this game because you're right, they're the worst team. So I think their ticket is to trying to raise the variance, raise the, the chaos to it, and just getting fast break points. I think if Indiana doesn't make – 23s or if not 20 let's say it's 16 15 but at a really high percentage uh they're in deep trouble i think they're in deep trouble like i said before i look it's the it, the way that indiana has played and, and having a guy like halliburton you know the way he's playing and, and they're obviously high powered and they're capable on any given night of putting a big number of being in a game so i won't be shocked if I, I look, the, I think the Bucks are going to win the game. I won't be shocked if it's a you know eight point win. I won't be shocked if it's a thirty five point win. Because yeah. if the Bucks get, get rolling, and they they, it, they against a team that's look, they and they did some things, nice things defensively the other night against Boston actually when they went chest to chest with some of their shooters and allowed Brown and Tatum to operate in one on one and say take as many shots as you want and they had 62 points between them and they really limited clean looks for the role players for the most part that was strategic because they're not a defensive team they don't they don't put a lot of thought into that end of the floor it's just a team that's going to outscore you and assuming that that's going to be their approach man we're going to go up and down and we're going to do our thing this could get out of hand for them i think the bucks could put up a huge number like they did against the Knicks. um the only the only thing that would shock me would be pacers like winning by double digits yeah, yeah if they yeah. win at a buzzer beater i guess and it's the nba man i'm not gonna be shocked by that i, I would my yeah. money would be on the bucks to win the game and i think more likely to be uh, from between 12 and 20 the margin yeah. of victory I, I think the bucks 
are going to have a hard time. The Pacers are going to have a hard time slowing them down. You said that the Pacers need to get 23s. They do lead the NBA in 23 games. This is a stat I kind of like tracking for whatever reason, because 23s is a fun benchmark. It takes, that's a huge scoring night from three. They have five games this year where they made 20 or more threes. They're four and one of those games. The problem, Milwaukee's number two with four. Milwaukee and Dallas both have four games with 23. So you're right. That is a strength of Indiana's, but it's a strength of Milwaukee's as well. What about the other side of things? What is the Bucks advantage? Uh, I think the Bucks' advantage is I think they're look they they I think the Bucks do tend to play defensively according to how their offense is going. So if they're really rolling, then they're they're gonna they tend to give up a lot of points too. It's just because it's easy for them. But I do think they've got the capability with their personnel to to be able to you know marginally be better for chunks of the game if you need to be. Um, it's part of it is part of their DNA with guys like Antetokounmpo and Lopez, you know, on the floor. Chris Middleton, so, some of the role players that compete, they they to me I think can affect the game a little bit more with their size. I think yeah. you know offensive rebounding is going to be a problem. Yeah. I think tonight for the Pacers, you know, and I think foul trouble could be an issue because I think look Miles Turner, Obi Toppin, and maybe Bruce Brown might even get some time on Giannis. Like I, I think foul trouble could be a problem for them as well, particularly if it ends up being Miles Turner, and he gets in foul trouble, you know, because Giannis is just going right at him, and he'll just right run through you, and he gets some calls early in the game, and Miles Turner has to go sit down for a bit. You got a real it's problem over. from a size standpoint. Yeah, that I mean, that is one of the huge risks, right? Is Dame and Giannis both draw an enormous amount of fouls, and the depth in the front court in particular is not, you know, they're going to have a hard time there. So Miles Turner tonight has to have a big night. Um, he can't get fouled. I My big advantage was star power. And look, you could have said the same thing about the Boston Celtics. Star power. They've got all those different guys. And then Tyrese Halliburton shined brighter than anybody when it mattered most. That could happen tonight. If Tyrese Halliburton outperforms Damian Lillard and Giannis Antetokounmpo, the conversation gets even more out of control for Tyrese Halliburton, who's having an incredible moment right now. But... When you say who's going to be the best player on the court tonight and you we had to like draft who we thought, number one would probably be Giannis. Number two would probably be Dame. Number three would probably be Tyrese Halliburton. The fact that the two guys, the star power up top, Dame or Giannis can win this game tonight with a, ph a phenomenal performance. Yeah. That's a that's two guys who, by the way, are yeah. known for big performances. Yeah. And that's, listen, I mean, basically you just summed up what this is all about and why they acquired them. Right now, yeah. you know, to have two guys on that level, and particularly adding a guy that can really do a lot of things late in the game that are different than what the Bucks have been able to do in the past. You know, Damian Lillard with the ball in his hands late in the game, man, it's as dangerous as it gets. And and so what, just the opportunities that could create for other people are just him settling matters himself. And I think, I think one guy to look at for the Bucks that I think we're going to be talking about tomorrow. Because he has a huge impact on this game, it's Brooke Lopez. Is this your? I think Brooke Lopez. He's going to be. He's my X factor for the Bucks. I do. I do think. You know, you could only commit so much size that you don't have much anyway, and it's got to kind of go in the direction of Giannis. And I think the guys that are going to be rotating to Brooke Lopez when he's spotted up at the three, when you're rotating six five, six six, six ah, seven type guys, right. he's got. He's got. Those are literally like naked looks to him when you get a 6'6 guy closing out on Brooke Lopez. He's yeah. going to have such comfortability with his three-point shot. And also, I think, 
you know, he gets on the offensive glass too. Like he goes down on the baseline sometimes and lurks, and there's just not much down there to keep him off. You know, even the other night, you know, Pacers win that game, but they Boston beat them up on the glass. And now you've got a team that's even bigger with Portis and Lopez and Giannis. I, I think Brooke Lopez could have a big night in this one. I don't yeah. know that his, his impact defensively will be as great maybe because of all of the quick, fast paced and three point shots the Pacers are going to take. Yeah. But then again, the other night, I don't think the Pacers win that game without the two point shots of Neesmith and, right. and healed. Like those guys had huge two point shots. Halliburton had a couple drives, you know, Porzingis is on the floor in that game. Maybe those those don't happen. And now you got Brooke right. Lopez back there. So if you make the Pacers really more one-dimensional with their perimeter shooting and they're not getting to the rim, I, I just think it's a big advantage for the Bucs. Obviously, you could tell I'd really like the Bucs to win this game. <laughs> you do. Um, yours is better than mine. But although mine, I have a case for mine. Mine was Malik Beasley. And the reason is the line is one. enormous for this one over under. They, Vegas is expecting this to be a shootout because – the Bucs can score, but I don't think the Bucs can stop the Pacers. The Pacers are still going to get some points, uh, put up a big number. I'd be I'd be shocked if they were under like a 115-120 tonight. So they're going to put up their numbers. And while Milwaukee has a lot of guys that can score and might score just as easy, if not easier, they need their role players to make shots. And Beasley, to me, represents the ultimate inflection point for them. He is a phenomenal shooter, but I don't know if he is a confidence shooter. If this yeah. game gets ugly down the stretch and he's on the court, which he, he typically is, they need him to be a floor spacer. And if I'm Indiana and it's a t close game, I say Malik Beasley beat us with open shots because you're not going to stop the, the, the yeah. Bucks any other way. I think that's a good take on Beasley. And I think he found the perfect landing spot, man, you know, because he's going to have a lot of nights where he feels real comfortable yeah. because they got those two guys on, on his team. And it's like there's, they, they make up for a lot of mistakes. Yeah. So he, you know, and and you know, the other night he started sitting shots. He starts doing the little, you know, the little hip twist, pasta yep. doble on the court, right? You're like, this guy's yep. really feeling good right now. But you're right. They were up, they were up make, 15 or up 10 or something, you know. Make like it a, make it a 106, yeah, 106, 106 game with six minutes to go, yeah. and the Pacers are have done a great job loading up on Giannis and trapping Dame, and now the ball's getting swung out, and they're counting on you to make these shots to win the game. Yep. That is a different feeling, man, than a game that's just a basically that game the other night. Look like a flat-out pickup game. It looked like a pickup yeah. game. And a guy like Malik Beasley is going to thrive in that environment. You put him in a game where it slows down a little bit, and you know the ball is going to be funneled to you, and these ones all really matter. That's a good point. I like that take. My X factor on the other side for the Pacers was Benedict Matherin. They are 6-0 and when he scores 16 or more points. It's kind of a barometer for him. When he's 10 or under, I think they're like 2-6. and six. So, you know – an average game for him, 10 to 15, somewhere in there goes either way. But when he has a big scoring night, and look tonight, I just think it's going to be, you need guys to score a bunch of points. You mentioned the mid range. One of the few guys on that team that I think is comfortable kind of getting there and pulling up. He had 26 when they beat Milwaukee earlier this year. I just think Pacers need all of their scores. And he's the one that's yeah. most capable of having a 20 point night tonight to give him that extra boost. Well, then I'll take the other one, the other guy in that category from that team. That's Buddy Heald. So yeah. one of those two guys, Maybe both. Maybe ha both. Have to, yeah. like, they have to. They have to put their imprint on the game. Where we're talking about them, you notice them. Um, and then hopefully we get one moment like we had the other night, where T.J. McConnell goes into his Hakeem Olajuwon imitation and and you know, like he did the Luke <laughs> Cornett, 
and he gives him, you know, six six pivots. I actually I have that drill I do it like for my eight and nine year olds at yeah. my basketball camp where they just work on the you know pivoting and you keep it and then the little scoop shot and if he does that to Giannis Antetokounmpo in a one on one situation, oh, he gets man. Point, right? That that's worth ten points to the Pacers. Like the reaction their bench has when he does stuff like that. So hopefully we get a fun moment. Listen, I hope I hope it's not a blowout. Obviously, I, I want to see a close game, yeah. and I don't even care if it's high scoring. Let's give me some drama late, and uh, let's see if you know how the Bucks handle that situation uh, and and what the Pacers can do in that situation to slow down Damian Lillard, who, who will have the ball if it's tight. But I just I worry I worry about the Pacers' ability to string together stops in this game at any point. Hey, I just want to say, man, what show can compare TJ McConnell to Akeem Elijah one, man? Only this show. No, only the only NBA here. show. Only, only, only here do you get only here do you get that and do you find out how easy it is to double your money. That's there, all there you, you don't get that anywhere else, man. Only here. And by the way, I'm gonna take Emma's advice. And if I hit, I'm yeah. naming my boat Emma's parlay. That's gonna be the name on the back of my boat. I'll oh, tell no. you right now. Oh no! All right, we gotta go quickly here through best matchup, and I have for this game. Th there's here's one thing. This is why I wanted to get to this one. The Pacers have had two games, two off days to prepare for this. The Bucks just won, and the Pacers have the 11th winningest coach in the history of the NBA, Rick Carlisle. He's been around the block for a little bit, um, and on the other side, the Bucks have a rookie head coach. I do wonder. First round, there wasn't that much. Rest. This one, there was a lot of preparation. You go to Vegas and all of this stuff. I wonder if this one is more strategic. If if it becomes more of an X's and O's matchup between two coaches, a la playoff series. And if so, Rick Carlisle should have a huge advantage tonight just in, hey, does do they have a more detailed game plan for tonight? Yeah, you're probably you're right about that. I mean, Rick, look, Rick Rick's a, it's just a great coach, great mind. Um, I love the I love watching how he has adapted and embraced this style of play um over as opposed to some other teams. That he coached, you know, you go back to the, the the defensive team he had in Dallas that he won a championship with, and what they what they were able to do playing two bigs and Tyson Chandler back there and all that. So now he's got this team with four guards and a and a three point shooting center, and we're just going to go up and down, man. And everybody has a green light. So I, I think Rick Carlisle, you do have an advantage there. But look, here here's the thing: the matchup it's clear to me, it's yeah. Lillard and, and and Halliburton. But I don't think Damian Lillard can guard Halliburton very often at all. Okay, first of all that's not his wheelhouse he's not he's not a dude that wants to be out there fighting over ball screens and you have to fight over on Halliburton Halliburton's long Lillard's not a big guard they've got other guys that can do it you can put Middleton on him you can put Malik Beasley on him those are going to be the guys that get him because you can always go put Lillard on a buddy healed you can put Lillard on on, on a, a Benedict Matherin you can get away with that because they're spotting up a lot so there won't be necessarily a head-to-head -head matchup, but I'm just talking about in terms of flair and production and, 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 and like I always say, pound that gavel. These are two elite-level point guards. One guy that's been doing it for over a decade at the highest level in this league, another guy that is seemingly right before our eyes emerging mm. as the next star in this league. And if you don't think Damian Lillard wants people to walk away from this game tonight, saying that that was the best guard on the floor that he was not Halliburton you're wrong man so even if even though they're not going head to head and guard well Halliburton probably will guard him a decent amount I don't think Lillard guards him much at all but that's not the point it's production flair 
big moments, momentum shifts. Lillard is definitely going to want to bring something special with all of the attention that Tyrese Halliburton is getting right now. I think that's going to be a really good one. Height, height advantage too. If he does get to match up with him, Halliburton should be comfortable. He's so much taller, so much longer. That's a. You were talking about Brooke Lopez earlier having sort of he does not going to see a contest. Damian Lillard guarding Halliburton or running out at Halliburton. That's not a contest either. So, you know, we'll see. I'm intrigued by this matchup. House money for the Pacers. They're in Vegas. They're going to have a good time. We'll see what happens. Um, we're the only podcast in the world that went long on the Pacers and Bucks and short on the Lakers. So we have to be really quick to, right now while we fly. Hey, I tell you, I, I'll tell you one thing: you'd never get away with this on my network on ESPN. I tell you, I promise you that they would have cut us off a long time ago. <laughs> We've got four minutes to preview the Lakers game tonight. So Pelicans, Lakers, Lakers are minus two. They have not played each other yet. Just quickly, what's the Pelicans' advantage here? Uh, I think the Pelicans' advantage is, is just I think overall punch in in their starting lineup um and, and they're deep man they, they've they've got yeah, they've got they go like 10 deep and every guy they play has a very specific purpose to impact the game so i just think overall with, with mccollum ingram zion valentunas by the way is more than serviceable he's a guy that does damage he had 18 and 11 the other night you barely noticed yep. it like he's a very productive player then you got these slashers and three-point shooters you know, out there like Jones and Murphy. I just think that their overall talent level offensively is probably their biggest advantage. And then for the Lakers, I think it's 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 Anthony Davis. I said to you before we got came on, he was sensational the other night with his effort and just diving every time for offensive rebounds, multiple efforts on the glass, multiple efforts on his own misses, sprinting in from the three point line when a shot was taken to get an offensive board, affecting the game defensively. You know, he, he didn't have his, one of his biggest stat lines ever. I just felt Anthony Davis the whole game. I felt his yeah. presence. And so that's a big advantage for them. If he plays that way, uh, they don't have great ability to deal with that. No, no team in the league does when Anthony Davis plays like that. That's my best matchup tonight. That's why I like it. Anthony Davis, Zion Williamson probably guard each other a fair amount. But more importantly, it's just who impacts the game more, who who has the bigger impact. And for me, that's that was my favorite you know, sort of if comparing two guys in, in this matchup. The thing I didn't like about Zion the other night, if I can real quick, I just feel like Zion sometimes, like if guys get going, he's content to let them just kind of keep going, like on his yeah. own team. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and I think great players, yeah, of course, you, you know, you're, you're happy guys are playing when you want to win and you're winning. And I'm talking about mainly after the first quarter. The last three quarters, they really dominated that game. And, and he, but he just seemed like, oh, you guys got it going. That's cool. I'm here. That's fine, man. You guys keep going. Like great players, they have so much pride in 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 their stamp on the game. And so I want to see tonight. You know, it's a game like this, man, and a prime time, like a big event game against the Lakers. LeBron, AD, does this get your best energy level? Because that's when he's special. And I'm really looking forward to seeing that. And I hope it's a close, competitive game. And I hope all the guys we mentioned, you know, they just go for this, man, and play as hard as we hope they 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 will and they have been to this point to win this thing. Who do you like tonight in that matchup? Oh, my goodness. This is so hard. I know. This I'm going to go with the Lakers. I'm going to go with the Lakers because of how they played the other night. And I just felt like they played to their strengths. And if, if, if I'm assuming they do that again, I just like a, a little bit more the certainty of what LeBron James is going to bring to something like this. 
and he yeah. will be the guy that controls the action. So I'm going. I'm betting. I guess on LeBron tonight. Certainty is an interesting one because I think you're right. This is the whole thing about the Pelicans. They're they're so good at their best, but they are. You never know what you're getting from them. I think they'll be strong tonight, but. You know, we'll we'll see. I'll, I'll I'll just just for the sake of we can have something to talk about tomorrow. I'm going to take the Pelicans. So we both like the Bucks, uh, and then uh, I'll take Pelicans. You can you can take Lakers, and we'll see what happens. Man, by the way, real quick, real quick, rumor has it they're going to start the game with one less timeout for the Lakers because they got robbed. <laughs> that's, just, that's just a rumor, though. I don't know if that's true. That's or not. Just, I don't know if I heard that rumor yet. I, I'll tell you what, that would be the funniest way for it to end tonight. A controversial call down the stretch in the Lakers' favor would be pretty hilarious. I'm so pumped for this, man. I'm so pumped. The first round gave us some great games. The pool play gave us some great games. You have to imagine the circumstance of being in a different city, being in Las Vegas, just making this something unique. It's going to feel different than anything we've seen, and I'm excited for it. I can't wait hey, to get wait, to it. Real quick, is that first game at 5 Eastern? Yeah, I, yeah, that's insane. That's like crazy that they did this. I don't this understand people, why they people did it. Probably, there's a lot of people, I guarantee you right now, that are not aware that that game is on at 5 o'clock because you're probably thinking, hey, it's Vegas. You know, you can do the back-to-back -back typical doubleheader, 7 right. and 9.30 or 7.30 and 10. You, could, you can do that because of the time change. They're going five and eight, right? Eight o'clock second? Yeah. yeah. Or nine o'clock, nine o'clock maybe. Yeah, nine o'clock Eastern. You're always doing Eastern times. Yeah, nine o'clock. So, and think about this, Legs. That's three o'clock mountain time. That's two o'clock on the West Coast. That's two o'clock. This is a Thursday. People are at work. I don't understand why they did it this way. I don't know what the reasoning is, but it seems bizarre. Um, but you hey, know, I'm, I'm taking my two-year-old to see Santa tonight, so I'm going to have to DVR the first game because that's yeah. right when we're going to be right when Santa, you know, turns the lights on on a yeah. tree, man. What are you going to do? There you, there you go. Uh, everybody, thanks so much for hanging out with us. The chat was great today, man. So much good stuff in the chat. It seems to be growing with our show, the, the participation. We always love it. It's what makes this show special, being able to talk and interact with you. I love doing these deep dives on teams. Tomorrow, we're going to go deep on what happened and then preview the finals, man. Should be fun. Legs, great stuff today. Yeah, man, I'm going to double my money real quick. I'll be right back. <laughs> Let's go. Everybody, hit that like button on the way out.